Welcome back to Franchise Players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my steam colleague, Hot Rod Funderburg, uh, here on location at East Coast Wings in Kernersville, uh, our typical pre-tape that we do before the nest with head coach Todd Willard uh, from East Forsyth Football here in Kernersville. You can find that episode on any major podcast format, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, and more. Rod, what's going on, man? How's uh, how's your, I guess, Wednesday morning been? <laughs> <laughs> Des, everything is lovely. I'm just trying to get over this weather. Seems like I'm always talking to you about the weather. It's up and down. It's up and down. Like yesterday, it was cool. It was cold. Sunday was beautiful. Saturday was beautiful. And, you know, I'm hoping today is going to be back in the 60s, closer to the 70s. But we'll see, man. I don't know. And then they say there's supposed to be some crazy stuff coming in tomorrow, possibly bad wind, tornadoes. Oh, I don't know. But it's North Carolina, <laughs> man. What do you expect? Yeah, literally, like. <laughs> I, I think my sister posted a meme the other day on Facebook where it was like uh, it, it was a question asking like North Carolina are you going to be hot or cold today and, and it was like North Carolina says yes <laughs> so, like, so I'm kind of gotten used to it all up and down I didn't know I needed a coat today when I left the house but it's all good we got a whole lot of stuff going on um, Friday's episode of Franchise Players will be a rundown takeover episode uh, I believe Rod will be with me. I think Brandon's going to be with me, but uh, Fox 8's been working him to death, so I don't know if he's going to be available or not. <laughs> um, so we'll check and see with him. Um, we will be doing Bracket Busters uh, Thursday with uh, Brett Wiseman and Joey Christopoulos from the Believe Podcast Network. We'll kind of go through the brackets and kind of try to help you fill these things out before they begin. Uh, at the actual official tournament starting uh well, Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. I think some of the play-in games start tonight and tomorrow. And then uh, the, it used to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for so the, it the is, actual. So it is Monday. It's going to yeah. Monday. I think That's they, weird. I, think, I don't understand that. I, I wasn't sure at first why. I think they just wanted the extra time to quarantine. So uh, last I heard, 67 of the 68 teams had arrived in Indy. The only team that hadn't arrived yet was Virginia, who's still – dealing with their COVID situation. Well, my thing is, if you want to quarantine, we know that this is an exceptional year due to COVID-19. So let's make it completely exceptional. If you want everybody to to quarantine, do it next Thursday. Start next Thursday and do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I I don't understand why the NCAA didn't build this in. Like, they they basically ignored COVID for the tournament portion of the schedule. They should have did it where, A, I don't even think the, the conference tournament should have even been played. Like, what reason was there to do that? Except for like the, uh, like the small, like the MEAC and mm-hmm. you know SoCon, that kind of stuff. I get that because those are one bid type leagues. But right. the Power Five league, like the Big Ten, Big Twelve, ACC, SEC. Yeah, I get it. Florida State, Georgia Tech, both of them wanted to win an ACC tournament on the floor. But by the time we got to the championship game, it wouldn't have bothered me if they were like, you know what, we're just going to stop this. We already know all of us are going to the tournament. Um, and it kind of affected everything after the fact. So not really sure. Uh, what it's going to do in the NCAA tournament, um, I almost feel like we're going to have an asterisk beside the season because there's going to be teams that drop out over the next three weeks. Right. Even though they're supposed to be in a quote-unquote bubble, uh, they're supposed to be pretty secure, pretty safe. Um, Sorry, I watched the waitress try to figure out what to do with this uh, drink you just ordered. I think she's going to let me pour my own (laughs) poison is what she's going to do. That's probably the smart play. (laughs) That's that's the smart play for sure. Um, But, yeah, so we'll we'll dig deeper into the brackets. I'm willing to wait until later in the week to do that, and we'll do that during the rundown takeover on Friday's show as well uh, and just kind of get into who we think might make the Final Four, what we think is going to happen. Because I think this is going to be one of the craziest tournaments (laughs) in a while where we're going to have a lot of double-digit seeds uh, going up. While I have you – 
I want to talk about Carolina and the draw they have because they actually have a pretty tough draw this first weekend. Have a, a nine-seed Wisconsin, uh, which won't be a tough out. And then if they get past them, they're probably going to have the number one seed Baylor uh, in that region, which won't be an easy out either. Right. Uh, from my understanding, uh, Wisconsin hasn't been playing very well the right. past couple of weeks, but they are a very experienced team, a lot of juniors and seniors compared to Carolina's youth. What have you seen around the past couple of weeks that makes you feel hopeful that Carolina will be able to get past at least Wisconsin? Because I don't think Roy's ever lost. No, he's never lost in the first round at Carolina as coach. I think he's lost in the first round at Kansas At before. Kansas, he has. Um, but I, don't, I think he has a two seed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I don't think he's ever lost at Carolina in the first round. It's an 8-9 game. It's pretty. I think Carolina's favored by one and a half points last time I checked. What are your thoughts on what you've seen from Carolina from beginning of the year to – where we are now because I do think they've improved a lot oh they've improved a great deal I mean and one of the most improved players in my opinion is old Kessler when he comes off the bench I mean Kessler is smooth as silk to me and in the words of the country boys he is as smooth as snot so I'm gonna tell you (laughs) man Kessler is he has the fundamentals Um, he plays great defense and I just from the time that he came in as that freshman and he wasn't really getting playing time, and then they started inserting him into the game, he has really established a dominance down there. And I think he has actually helped the rest of the front court in Baycock, in Brooks, um, Sharp playing a little bit in that front court. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he has encouraged those guys actually to step up the game as the season has progressed along. And something that you and I discuss all the time, Roy Williams will have you mad and cussing at him <laughs> in October, November, December. But when usually March hits, you can really see the team gelling, coming together, and playing Carolina basketball that we're used to. Des, I saw something with Kessler on the floor that I hadn't seen in a few seasons, and that's the backdoor screen. Right. Where did that go? <laughs> I mean, if you're a Carolina fan, that's like bread and butter for us, and it disappeared the past, yes. like, really the past three or four years. Yes, it did. It kind of turned into – you know the thing that bothers me about this Carolina team? They settle for threes way too much for what they have up front. Like, I, I find myself screaming at the TV, no, don't shoot that, <laughs> even if it goes in. I'm just with be, you. Just because I, I got so used to it earlier in the year where uh, Caleb, uh, uh, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis mm-hmm. – uh, really, the only guy that I trust shooting a three is uh, your boy, the one that came in unranked, um, uh, Kerwin Walton. He's the oh, only okay. guy. He's the only guy where if he lets it fly, I'm like, it's going in, it's going in, because half the time it has been going in. Uh, that dude, I think he kind of saved Carolina's season. I think you're right, but I'm with you on what you're talking about as far as shooting that three-pointer so early. Don't shoot the three-pointer so early. Play inside out. Make the defenders come down and double your bigs, and at least when the bigs kick it out to the perimeter, there's going to be a perimeter shooter who's going to be wide open instead of trying to play outside in. You've got the bigs. We have advantage on the boards. I mean, we can play volleyball off the backboards with our front court. That's what they do. (laughs) (laughs) The past, like, two or three games. And even the announcers, like Jay Billis, he's like, well, they can just play volleyball up there. And then as as he's saying it, it's like Dayron Sharp and uh, Armando Baycott, they're really good at this. Like, one of them will just throw it up. (laughs) <laughs> and then you just see the ball going back and forth across the rim like three or four times. It sure does. They had a couple of sequences where they got like, what game was that? Where they just, was it Notre Dame? Where they it just probably was Notre Dame, oh my, yeah. They just like bullied them like the whole game. Like they had like 18 offensive rebounds like the first half. I think they did it to nuts. Duke too. The I think last they did, game. Yeah. yeah. So like I've so I've seen like the Dr. Jekyll and the Mr. Hyde <laughs> of uh of Carolina yeah. basketball this year. Yeah. If they show up and, and do that kind of rebounding and actually the guards don't turn it over, 
I think they can run with anybody in the country, to be honest. Like, they got the horses. It's when those guards start getting loosey-goosey with the bo- the basketball. Right. And, and the bigs aren't playing big. Because there's some games where the bigs don't play big. Right. And there's been times where we've known Roy's got into them at halftime, and they came out a totally different team. And we've been like, I wonder what Roy said to them at halftime. Right. He's been yelling at him, you know. And he, which he should. <laughs> yeah, With the team that he has, these guys should be top, really, 15 in my book with the team yeah. that we have on paper, the team that we've seen. Like you said, when they come out and play like Dr. Jekyll instead of Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. I mean, really, they're top five when they play that way. There's no – I can't think of another front court in the country collectively, those four players that I would sub out and rather have other than the four at Carolina right now, especially with Kessler emerging the way he has. Mm-hmm. Kessler, man, I was comparing him to Tyler Zeller, like that projectile in terms of what he could be. I think it's way better than Tyler Zeller. Yeah, like, and we're not going to keep um, Kessler all four years. It's no, not going to happen. I thought we could, and it turned into – yeah, he's, he might be gone next year. He won't be gone this year. Right. I'm hoping Dayron stays one year, too. Right. Uh, primarily from everything I know, Dayron Sharp's family is a huge Carolina boosting type. Well, not a booster family, but they're, they're huge fans of the Carolina program. Dayron grew up yep. a Carolina fan. Uh, and, and Sharp he, has so much upside oh, potential. God, if he stayed one more year, can you imagine him in the weight room in the offseason? Yeah. One more year from yeah. where he is now? Yeah. And, and uh, people keep saying he should go, he should go. And I'm like, a 6'11", 265 post player in the NBA today – I'm not really sure how much of I mean, we haven't really seen him take jump shots. You know, no. he, he needs a jumper. So I think that would be the reason to convince him to stay. If he stays, develops a 10, 12-foot dependable jumper, that dude's a top-five pick next year to me. Yes, sir. I, think. I mean, he's got the body for it. Um, and I think he would stay because he didn't get the Carolina experience. Now, you, you went to Carolina. Right. He didn't get the opportunity to walk the quad, you know. Right. The females. Go to right. the library. You know, like that kind of thing. Uh, Roy said if he if he let his freshmen loose on campus right now, they wouldn't know how to get to the library. They wouldn't know where the cafeteria is. They mm-hmm. haven't been there. They've been in a hotel since August. So, like, they haven't had the Carolina experience. I'm hoping that's enough to keep them there so that next year when or next season when it starts getting more to normal, that that will be why they stay. Um, Garrison, he's a senior, but he could stay a fifth year. Uh, he's, he's gone. I'm pretty sure he's gone. Uh, and they got some recruits coming in behind these guys too. So in the end, I see a lot of Duke fans that are salty. They're mad right now because they're sitting at home. And they're no, like, they'll well, get over it. They're like, well, y'all sucked last year. I'm like, well, that was last year. Like, we're in yeah. the present, like right now. Yeah. Well, 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 y'all sucked last year. I'm like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. that, that doesn't matter. Yeah, get over it. They'll yeah, be okay. Be done. Just yeah. Take a seat on the couch. Get some <laughs> snacks. Enjoy this. Well, you only been there for one game. That's one more than you guys. So we're, yeah, we got another right. weekend to survive and, you know, do what we can do. I think they can get past Wisconsin. I'm not sure about Baylor. But if they do those keys I said, I think I think they'll be fine. So I agree with you. They're going to have to play big against Baylor, and they're going to have to stop Baylor's guards. Baylor has some excellent guard play. They probably got two of the best guards in the country right now, and they're playing like that too. But you know, if we can keep those guards, those guards also look for Baylor like to come in and drive and come to the inside, and they like to lay up. If Baycock can get in there and establish his presence, if Kessler can get in there and reject some of those shots and get those guards to thinking about it for Baylor, and you know, I could see the Baylor making some mistakes and um, allowing Carolina to win. But first, we have to get past Wisconsin. So I don't want to even want to talk about Baylor right now until we're able to get past the big boys of Wisconsin. Yeah, so we definitely uh, – let's see what they do. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some more. You're listening to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
franchise players. I am your host, of course, Desmond Johnson. You can find us every morning, 11 a.m. here in the Triad, a new choice for local sports talk produced in the Triad for the Triad on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Got to do a little Panthers talk because the Panthers have been busy. The free agency period has opened up a little bit later on this week. We've got Elena Getzenberg from the Charlotte Observer that'll uh, kind of wrap up free agency week for us with the Panthers. But first, I wanted to get my man on. He is from the Four Man Rush uh, brand uh, podcast, YouTube channel, you name it. These guys are top notch when it comes to breaking down Carolina Panther film, moves, everything you can think of. Carolina Panthers, if you want the insider uh, view of it, definitely go and subscribe to the Four Man Rush. And I've got uh, one of their main guys, Kevin Avery. The uh, the are you the Arn Anderson of the Four Man Rush, or are you the Ric Flair? I'm trying to figure out which one. Tully Blanchard. <laughs> I got I got to put a tag on <laughs> which one of you guys are who uh, for this. But Kevin, a friend of the uh, friend of Tobacco Road, joining the program. What's going on, Kev? Hey, what's going on, Des? Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm one of the four co-founders slash owner. So that's that's the title. And these guys are doing big things. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on Four Man Rush and where you can find them here at the end of the segment. I, I want to jump right into Carolina Panthers here. And, and let's start with the quarterback position because me and you, we've seen and actually, I don't want to say point fingers and laugh that, but we've we've <laughs> had people on social media. Uh, me and you are in a lot of different Panther groups on Facebook and whatnot. And we've seen the absurdity of some of the stuff that people have posted in terms of what they think the, the Panthers should do with the quarterback position. Uh, lots of there are lots of actual legit media outlets have linked Carolina to Houston uh, Texans quarterback to Sean Watson, even though Houston has claimed even to this very moment that we're doing this segment that they're not trying to trade him. Uh, you you as far as I can tell, you've been against the Panthers pursuing Watson. Why do you think this would be a bad fit for the Panthers if they actually went, you know, pedal to the metal and tried to bring Watson to Carolina? Yeah, well, well, for me, it's not. It's got nothing to do about Watson as a talent. I think that he would be a by far, and it will put him in a category to to rival his idol Cam. That's probably one of the most talented quarterbacks um, to ever play the Carolina position. If, if I may say, keeping one hundred days, you know, probably maybe a little bit more fundamentally sound footwork and mechanics wise than Cam. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not not the running factor that Cam is, but just as far as pure pocket. I mean, so yeah, it's got nothing to do with. Watson, the player, it's, it's got to do with a, a, the Sean Watson, a compensation. Look, you know, when they was putting out what it would take to acquire, you know, Deshaun Watson, I mean, after me, anything after two first round picks was was pretty much, you know, done for me. I'm not trying to give up two first, two second and two defensive starters to get Deshaun Watson. I yeah, mean, that's pretty steep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're already we're already doing a rebuild because you know you take away an asset. I mean, special was linked with Christian McCaffrey being a two and nine. Time my defensive starter. So what? You talking about what? Brian Burns to possibly replace JJ Watt? I mean, or you know, a Jeremy Chin? You know, oh, who was God. almost <laughs> yeah. And, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> not even no, nah, but hell no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm allowed to discuss on here. Hell no. Nah. That's that's just wasn't nah, nah. If, We're blocking blocking all phone numbers from Houston area codes and everything. If they come, especially Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin like endeared himself to me this year. Where I, I just look at it like that dude's all pro. That dude is going to be an all pro within maybe next year. Like and over the next three or four years, he just he's just one of those players that just has it. You know what I mean? And like to to even fathom that they would go against what they've done to this point, they being the Panthers upper uh, management front office in terms of what they've told us that they want to do in terms of building the franchise. It just felt like all these trade scenarios for Watson would just go 
completely against the grain of what they've been telling us for the past year that they want to do in terms of not going for the short game, not going for the the quick, you know, hit that makes everyone happy, but to build like the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, and the Patriots in terms of being a contender every year for, you know, 20 plus years. So I couldn't really fathom the, the, the Watson thing. Plus the thing that's bothering me, Houston still hasn't put him out there to trade. <laughs> like, it's like, we keep talking about it. Like he's out there on the market, but Houston's given no indication that they're willing to do this. Do you think that Watson would be willing to sit out the season if it came to that? My own personal opinion, because of the way it's been led out to what he feels about management. I think he would just to prove a point. Now that would, would be, too. yeah, now that would be bad business uh, for Houston because now what you could have got from the trade now done lower because this man has done showed, you know, I'm willing to sit out. Uh, primarily, I think Miami would be the perfect trade partner. It would allow because it would allow number one Houston to get their first round back, first round pick back to number three overall that they traded last year for the left tackle Jeremy Tunsil. It would allow them to get that number three overall pick back. I mean, the, Miami could give them the two first and two seconds this year and next year. And still be set straight, you know, as far as pits, because, you know, they, you know, they, um, you know, they went through the big roster change and salary cap hell and they came out looking lovely on the other side. And as you see, they put together a 10 win team last year. But, yeah, Watson going to Miami would be the ideal setup. Now, I don't know if they're trying to keep him out of the AFC so they don't have to see him on a regular. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, the price is just too uh, the price is just too uh, too high for for our likings, you know, as far as Panthers go. Follow uh, the four-man rush on Twitter at four-man rush. That's the number four O-U-R man rush on Twitter. Uh, Kevin Avery from the four-man rush on with me right now on Franchise Players talking a little Carolina Panther talk. Um, I was against this in the very, very beginning because I was just dead set on getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater. I've calmed down (laughs) since the end of the regular (laughs) season in terms of my thoughts towards Teddy. And, you know, I kind of start thinking about it. I'm like, okay, some of the some of the stuff that that we've blamed Teddy for in terms of like the all the close losses, you know, all the one possession games that we you know that we lost or whatnot with Teddy having the ball in his hands. Some of those, I think we wouldn't have had him in that position had we had, you know, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield the whole year and things of that sort. So there's there's a little bit of leeway there where you could kind of go. All right. Maybe there's a, a chance to maybe do something with Teddy. But there was still some glaring things that even with with uh, McCaffrey in the lineup that didn't like about Bridgewater that followed him from Minnesota, to be honest, he doesn't really like to go deep very often. He's really more of a, 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 a dink and dunk kind of guy. He's super accurate. Like, I mean, he's, I think that was the thing that actually threw Carolina Panther fans off the first month of the year was that he was throwing it like 75% completion rate. And we don't, we're not used to that in North, I mean, in Carolina, like we're, we're used to the Cam Newton, Jake DeLome, 59 lucky to get the 60% completion rate type thing, hope they catch it type of uh, quarterback. So when Teddy comes in, he's slinging around and it's like sticking to people's gloves or whatnot. You know, that kind of threw us off. By the end of the year, though, some of his, some of the things that people dislike about Teddy were starting to, to appear and uh, rear their ugly head. I have come around on uh, North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. And I've come around on the idea of keeping Teddy for the second year. Because let's just be real. The deal he signed is a three-year deal, but really it's a two-year deal. They can get out of it at the end of this upcoming season and basically have no dead cap attached to it. So really it was a two-year deal. So you keep Teddy. You draft Trey Lance at number eight. You let him sit for a year behind Teddy, learn Joe Brady's offense. 
then he cut Teddy at the end of the year. What are your thoughts on that potential scenario? All right. As far as that scenario goes, if you don't mind, I just want to give a little quick fact check real quick for what you said prior to that about the whole thing about Teddy and the deep ball and all that, the yeah. check down. Okay. Here, and here's something, I, you know, that I went to war with on Twitter. And, you know, people can be in their feelings, but facts are facts. People talking about Teddy was Teddy check down. Teddy had 340 completions out of 492 pass attempts with us. You know what I mean? Those 340 completions went to running backs, 58 between McCaffrey and Davis. So we're not even talking about maybe 20% of his passes were quote unquote check down to running backs, you know, like people were saying. And then another thing on top of that, um, Carolina <laughs> Panthers offensive line was 23rd in pass block win rush win rate, which means offensive lineman ability to maintain their blocks for at least 2.5 seconds or longer. Panthers are ranked 23rd. And Teddy's time in the pocket, clean pocket time was the sixth fastest at 2.3 seconds. So when you add all those numbers and metrics together, what that means is, yeah, Teddy couldn't throw the ball deep because these linemen are not blocking long enough to get deep. You can't throw a deep pass taking two or three steps back. Those are the five steps and the seven-step dropbacks, which our offensive linemen were not maintaining blocks long enough to do. Now, the reason why he was getting the ball out in 2.3 seconds is because he was throwing it quick and accurate to, you know, short slants and in routes to the receivers and running backs, things of that nature. So right. it's not that Teddy don't have the ability to do. Our offensive line just didn't allow him the time to let the routes develop to go deep. Now, did he miss some where his opportunity was there? Sure. Teddy is not without blame. I would say that, yeah, he definitely had some moments where shots can be taken that he didn't take it, but to place the majority or nearly all, which a lot of Panthers fans like do squarely on him like that, it's simply not false when you go, when you do your research, do a deep dive and look at all aspects of what makes a pass play successful or unsuccessful. So I just wanted to clarify that up real quick. I am a fan of facts. So I am glad that you brought that up and, and not so much him. I've never really called him Teddy check down because I understand exactly what you just, uh, you know, laid out there uh, for a regular Panther fan. Maybe they're equating a check down to, you know, a short five yard pass to Curtis Samuel out and over on the flat or something, but that's not really a check down. I was, I was referring more to if, if Teddy has, you know, three reads on a pass play and, you know, it's like one, two, three. And that, that second read is like literally five yards in front of him like mm-hmm. that. He, he's typically going for that instead of that third read, which is 15, 20 yards down the field. More often than not, he's going to take the sure thing as opposed to, the longer option, which is fine because right. we just we just came out of having a quarterback that preferred to, to dare to take the long option more often than to take the, the shorter, safer one. Uh, right. All that's fine. And I agree with you that the offensive line definitely, uh, you know, through injuries. He didn't really have a left tackle all year that he could depend on. So, I mean, a lot we of that stuff people play left tackle for us last year. Dad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that that kind of <laughs> that kind of throws a quarterback off a little bit. So I, I get all that. he didn't even have what many would consider the, the best offensive weapon in the entire league in Christian McCaffrey. But for like, what, two games, like a game and a half yep. for like the yep. entire year. So I, I get it. I, I, I That's why I've kind of backed off of Teddy a little bit. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I've never seen him as the long-term solution. And I really think that the right. Panthers haven't either, uh, right. but I, I have seen him as a bridge. My, my thing exactly. was what's at the other end of that bridge. Like I, I couldn't figure out what the game plan was to it. Uh, how much have you guys over at four man rush scouted Trey Lance in terms of his potential? Because there's not a lot known about him. Cause he, he only played one game this season before North Dakota state uh, shut it all down. But the year he played before, 
apparently, I mean, he's pretty raw, but he seems like he might end up being one of the better quarterbacks in this draft when it's all said and done a couple years out. What are your thoughts on Trey Lance? And what do you think about the Panthers uh, possibly, you know, taking a, a dive with him at eight? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Trey Lance got a lot of love. And one last quick statement, Panthers got a lot of yak receivers. So the thing that Cam didn't have, that's what we have now. So throwing five yards and hoping to get 15 and 20, that's the thing we do. All right, right. enough yeah. about Teddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anyway, I totally so, agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got yak monsters. That's what they're supposed to do, take five yards and get 20. But anyway. Jerry Ricing it up. Jerry right. Ricing it up. <laughs> exactly, that part. But yeah, as far as Trey Lance, I mean, Trey Lance has huge love with the four-man rush. Now, mind you, even though me and Larry are more wanting alignment with the number eight pick to protect who's ever at quarterback, but when, if we just focus strictly on being unbiased about quarterback position, we feel like that Trey Lance probably is the rawest and needs the more refinement of all the quarterbacks in this draft. However, we also think that he could potentially be the best quarterback out of this class if he gets the right coaching, if he gets to the right situation to be set up, because we feel like that when you look at his entire package, his tools set, the tools that he has to work with, don't call it bl- blasphemy or whatever, but I think that he could be as good and probably, if not better, than the number one overall presumed pick, Trevor Lawrence. Wow. That's how high of a ceiling Trey Lance really has as far as the skill set. Now, me personally, I'm all for the, him sitting a year, hell, maybe even two years. Mm-hmm. It, he's going to have a fifth-year option, so you got time to really – you know, let him retool that footwork. Like you said, only played one game this year. Like, let him understand NFL film study, you know, the speed of the game. You know, like, like take all the pressure off, you know, of, of him. You know, have him get with a quarterback guru to work on the footwork mechanics. Get all the get get all the refinement done while he's, like, learning, you know, the, how the NFL film work. But, man, when this kid figures it out, game's going to be over, like – like, I mean, he, he, he reminds me of, I mean, I hate, you know, I keep it real. He, he reminds me of, of a smaller version of Cam, you know, size wise, you know, mm-hmm. things, but as far as like the, the cannon of an arm, cause you know, Cam had a cannon too, yeah. you know, coming out of uh, Auburn, but I, I think he has better ball placement um, than Cam, but overall, yeah, Trey Lance definitely gets um, a lot of love with it. My concern is, is that after that pro day, I'm thinking that, if quarterback rise. was to move, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's scenarios where it's saying all four quarterbacks could be gone by the fifth to sixth pick, you know, depending on how things get, because teams may be looking to jump ahead and, you know, grab one of these quarterbacks. And like I said, which won't bother me because I had to push one of them linemen down, either Slater or Sewell, but that's mm-hmm. just me personally. But, yeah, Trey Lance, most work need to be done, but by far the biggest ceiling to be the best quarterback out of this class. I, you know, and I totally agree with everything you just said. I've actually heard uh, comparisons to Buffalo's Josh Allen in terms of uh, the way his build, the way he plays, the way he throws, and everything. I'm intrigued by him. I really am. And uh, I've the, really over the past three days, I've come around on the idea of he'll probably still be there at eight, po- possibly, unless that pro day, like you said, just wild enough people where. You know, somebody wants to jump up to grab him. Uh, Carolina stands pat. They pick him at eight. They keep Teddy. Teddy kind of understands going to the year that it's a prove it year for him. Uh, but also, uh, if if the logic was to bring Teddy Bridgewater in was because he was familiar with Joe Brady's offense, then it's not a, a far leap of faith to assume that you would keep Teddy for 
Trey to sit underneath, not to necessarily mentor. You're not going to ask an NFL player, hey, we mentor this guy that's going to eventually take your spot. <laughs> you know, you don't, it doesn't really work that way. But if you have Trey there in practice watching Teddy, watching how he prepares, because everything I've heard about Teddy Bridgewater in terms of him being a prep, uh, being able to prepare a certain manner, uh, he's always, you know, in the know. He knows how the play is supposed to run, the nuances of it, like that kind of stuff. You can get it in the head of a, a young Trey Lance. So that by 2022, you turn over the reins to him. You've got pieces around him. Uh, at that point, of course, you'd have to re-sign uh, DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson. But you, you've you got offensive pieces around him. CMC is locked up for a bit there. I, I like the scenario. I like that idea of doing that and letting the team grow as a young unit as opposed to bringing in uh, a free agent and giving up part of the future uh, to do so. Got uh, Kevin Avery on the line with us from the four man rush talking some Panthers here. You can actually follow uh, the four man rush on Twitter at four man rush with the number four instead of the F. So four man rush uh, and go subscribe, hit that pound button, uh, the subscribe button for their uh, YouTube channel where they put up excellent uh, videos weekly on uh, Carolina Panther topics here. Uh, Kev, besides Curtis Samuel, who as of this taping has not signed yet, I'm a bit surprised no one scooped him up yet. Who's the most important free agent for the Panthers to re-sign? Uh, Panthers re-signed? Well, you know, my or, bias or have, they, or have they already? Right, right. I actually got some breaking news. I'll give you that here in just a moment. Um, oh, no. Went off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, i go there in, in a minute, but... Uh, my personal, you know, I feel like we it's a must we sign Alex Armour, but that's just my that's just my crush right there. <laughs> that, that is your dude. I know that's, that's I know that's dude. been your guy. Nah, yeah. <laughs> but from the scope of things, though, as far as uh, free agents to um, resign, I mean, main, if we if we can um, you know secure this long term deal with Moten without the tag before uh, July fifteenth, I mean, I definitely think um, I definitely think that's big. But um, you know, with the market not being what is that we thought Curtis Samuel might get swooped up. It's a possibility he could come back. Now, uh, a free agent move that I would not mind since we released Zach Kerr last night, um, mm -hmm. former Patrick Kawan Short. I think we can bring him back for cheap. Uh, you, you remember when Charles Johnson did the same thing? You know, he had a huge contract. We yep. let him go. He went to a few teams, and then he talked with somebody and realized, hey, man, home is home, and came back to Carolina and for, like, what, two, three million dollars? After he was scheduled to get like 16, I, mm -hmm. I can easily see Kawan Short do that now. If Kawan Short then got over these last two years of injuries and could come back, that'd be a huge boost to uh, um, to us in the on the uh, primarily defense line since we basically only have three actual defensive tackles on the roster right now with the release of uh, Steve Kerr. I mean, not Steve Kerr. I'm thinking about basketball. Zach Kerr um, here. So I definitely think that. You know, Kawan Short would uh, would be someone I would like to, quote unquote, see as a free agent, even though we just released him, you know, uh, a month ago. And, you know, by the fact that nobody's picked him up and he said he was open to returning to Carolina. Hey, I, that would be the way to go. Yeah. I, you know, Charles Johnson was the first person I thought of when uh, when that happened, when they let KK go. Uh, I, I literally uttered the words, maybe he's going to do a Charles Johnson, like <laughs> like when it happened, because right. I was thinking it's the same exact kind of scenario, a little bit uh, longer in the tooth for uh, for Kawan. I know how much he's attached to the Charlotte area and the Panthers themselves. Uh, hopefully they do bring him back. Um, I, I don't know who's going to take a flyer on him out there, uh, considering he's really only played like two games in the past two seasons, really two or three games. So mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, that would be great if we can get Kawan back on a lower 
uh, contract, and he actually is healthy and can contribute and be there um, in the middle with Derek Brown on the defensive line. I think that's what they envisioned when they drafted Brown. Uh, I'd love to at least see it for a year. Um, right. So the so the Panthers have been busy. They haven't had really huge splashes in free agency, although we didn't really expect them to uh, this season after they opened up some uh, some cap room. Uh, the, the Panthers filling holes in the offensive line. Uh, since I know four-man rush is very good about uh, film, player evaluation, I definitely wanted to ask you about these two guys because I had not heard of either one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> offensive lineman Cam Irving, uh, he signed a two-year $10 million deal. Uh, apparently, he can play any position on the line. Uh, did play with Kansas City. Uh, most recently, if I'm not mistaken, he was with the Cowboys for six games in 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. What what have you seen about Irvin on a uh, film? Because uh, I know you guys have already started digging in him once they sign. Oh, yeah, yeah. We definitely, matter of fact, prior to uh, coming on with you, uh, me and my man, you know, uh, Larry, of the four-man rush, was, you know, on, um, you know, getting our stream yard on and and uh, going over the all 22 of, um, of both players here. Uh, so, yeah. But what we've seen um, – what we've seen from the players is that with uh, Cam Irvin, for those who don't know his background, uh, he went to Florida State, was first-team All-American. Um, his measurables, which we know Matt Rule is a fan of, athletic-wise, is off the charts. Hmm. You know, if you go to Mott Draftables and put in his name and see his his athletic rating and score, you'd be like, wow. Uh, but as far as, like, what matters the most is how, how he does with pass on and things like that, because, you know, everybody can get caught up in the underwear Olympics. Um is the fact that he does have position flexibility to play literally all five positions. Uh, we saw good reps. We saw bad reps. But the main thing that we saw is that the reps where he looked bad are things that can be fixed and coached up. There's not anything that's like fundamentally wrong with him to where he, it would not be a good signing for us. It's just a matter of him getting good coaching and be put in a good situation. Now, I do think that he will make a better guard than tackle based on, you know, the we, we only got time to look through like two games this morning uh, with Cam Irving. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he has some reps where he won some one-on-ones with Chase Young because we watched the uh, – uh, when he played with uh, Dallas last year, we watched the game week 12 when they played Dallas. Now, that was a game where um, the Redskins stumped them, but he uh, – he lost a few reps, but he also held his own and made you think, well, damn, you know, he got it. You know, he's – he got it. You know, he plays with, you know, good hand technique. Um, he definitely plays with uh, good leverage. You know, he's able to get his hips in. He got a – he needs to work on his footwork a little bit in his pass sets, you know, to not to overextend because he, he tends to favor to want to check to the outside a little fast and leave himself susceptible to uh, inside counter moves. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, those things are coach uh, that can be fixed. But uh, he definitely has the tools to be an effective lineman that's that's definitely going to compete for a spot um, when it's time when when training camp opens up. Uh, and then the other guy that they signed um, yesterday, another offensive lineman uh, guard, Pat Elf Elfin. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing Elfine. his last name right. Elfin. Uh, three years, thirty three point five million, uh, considerably more than what Irvin got. Um, were the what are these potentially good? Uh, solid offensive line. It sounds like they're, they're like body picks. They're not like splashy picks. They're just, their needs. They were things that we needed and their bodies that we desperately needed in a position group. We desperately needed. Uh, do you think that Carolina overpaid for these guys? Or do you think that, uh, that these were good uh, moves to make? Uh, I think these were good moves to make. These are the unsexy picks at the bottom of the roster that, 
you know, that's not going to wow, you know, your average casual fan. Uh, but as far but the main thing that you're going to that's stick out by both of these players is number one, position flexibility, playing multiple positions. Uh, number two is the fact that these are uh, guys that's got good athletic traits. And, you know, that's that's been seen to be thing that uh, Matt Rue want to want to base a lot of this on. Like with uh, Elstein, with the uh, um, with his playing time, like in 2019, um, he played left guard. And 17 and 18, he uh, he played at center. So he would be the equivalent of replacing a, a Tyler Larson for us who, you know, play, you know, guard and center, but just more athletic, uh, more lean to it. Because understand, reason why we're talking about athleticism with uh, offensive linemen, you know, with Joe Brady's offense, you know, we're more of a zone blocking scheme where you need athletic linemen that can pull, that can, you know, reach block, that can, you know, block down and, and get to the level. We're not necessarily a offense line is built to, you know, be the, like the old Cowboys of the nineties, you know, just power a man gap blocking and just destroy whoever's in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to do a little bit more finessing with our blocking schemes, but with technique. So that's why, you know, talking about athleticism with these offensive linemen, but um, no, these guys, I don't think, could they be starters? Uh, they would really have to wow it, but I think these would definitely at worst case scenario be good death pieces. I could say position flexibility because just with two of them alone, they cover all five positions. Yeah, I agree. And when I saw the signings, I was like, well, those look like guys, especially for, I remembered what Matt rule said at the beginning of last year, where they, they really like guys that are almost like Swiss army knives, guys that can play multiple positions. And this, especially with the cam urban sign. And that's what really struck out to me was that he can, Oh, he can play, you know, pretty much everywhere on the line. And they, and they learned that last year that those guys are good to have, you know, as uh bodies start to fall throughout the, re- uh, the beginning of the regular season in the NFL. Uh, Kev, let them know about four man rush, where they can find you guys, what you guys are about and, uh, and what you guys are currently up to. Yeah. So here with the four man rush, uh, one of the biggest things that's recently happened with us is that uh, we just secured a uh, partnership with uh, a national brand manscaped, uh, for those who do know, you know what it's all about. For those of you that you don't, uh, this is for male grooming for, how can I say it, your man's in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all you thought know, it before. We've all thought about this, and now it actually is here. It's There's something there to help Right, out. <laughs> right, right. And once you stop laughing, and once you stop laughing, actually use the product. Because I ain't going to lie, I was giggling. I ain't going to lie, but when they sent us our test kits to, you know, try the products out for the sales, it's like, it really was a difference. I felt better. I felt fresher and drier throughout the day, despite of doing a lot of moving around. Like it really was a noticeable, not only feel, but smell and difference. Cause it's, you know, um, it's, you know, it's ball t- deodorant, you know, ball toner, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? I mean, I know these things sound funny, but you know, these things work. So yeah, yeah. We, uh, so with the four man rush, you know, we got our own promo code for, um, um, for MR scaped 20. Uh, that's our promo code. And with our promo code, you get 20% off and free shipping with Manscaped. So definitely uh, take advantage of that. Uh, ladies that's listening, you know, hey, you know, hook your man up. Fellas, you know, get right. You know, let your, yeah. let your lady know that uh, she's not the only one that's got to be, you know, well-groomed all over, per se. Um, you know, I know we got to keep it PG because LCC rules, but you yeah, get yeah. the drill. You get the drill. <laughs> and you, said, you said that promo code was 4MRSKATE20. Is that right? Yeah. So 4MR and then S-C-A-P-E-D, the number 20. Um, oh, that's skate. the, 
Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So four MR Scape twenty. Twenty. Gotcha. Yes, that's our gotcha. promo code that gets you twenty percent off and uh, free shipping with the uh, Manscaped. So uh, that's the that's the biggest news that just happened like last Thursday. Um, we mm-hmm. found out because they gave us a thirty day trial offer to make their numbers. We made it in ten. So they said, you know what, we're gonna go ahead and give y'all the year deal now. So that's what's up. And the other thing that's up with us is that we're dropping our draft profiles, Des. I don't know if you've been checking them out. I have. I have. Yeah, where we're breaking down, you know, all the top college prospects at different positions and also players that we think the Carolina Panthers possibly could be looking at as well. Uh, me and Larry have been working on linemen. The other fellas have been doing the skill positions. So, you know, definitely check us out there. Uh, man, I've, I've watched you guys do this from, you know, this started from, you know, a social media group. And, and you guys have grown this into a legit official brand that's known nationally at this point. You know, you guys have become one of the spots that I go to to get info on the Panthers, things that I didn't know, uh, facts, numbers, figures, uh, what they're up to, news. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of you guys. I'm glad that uh, you guys are doing what you're doing, and I'm glad that uh, we get a chance to to collaborate on things like this. Um, I'll definitely be in touch with you here real soon as we get closer to the draft because I definitely would want to bring you back on to talk about some uh, draft prospects as we get closer to uh, draft day. Kev, appreciate you, brother, man. I hope you stay safe the rest of this week, man, and I hope you're doing good. Hey, Des, one last thing. You know, I told you I had some news here. Uh, oh, yeah, Pan- yeah. Yeah, Panthers, uh, former tight end Chris Manhurts done signed with the Jaguars. So oh. uh, we just lost our <laughs> – we just lost the second-best blocking tight end in the league to, <sighs> to the Jaguars, uh, man. So man, I'm like, Dan. I was really hoping that they would take a, a swing at Hunter Henry, but uh, Bill Belichick's to- out here spending like a drunken sailor right now. So, <laughs> like, Yo, I mean, he's about everything. All the jokes. Bill's yeah, like, all right. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna, we'll see what the hooded one does with this uh, this wad of cash. Apparently, he's walking around with. Uh, he's and out then, here buying if everybody. Join us, if you want to join us, Foreman Rush? We think about making this a big event when New England comes to Carolina. So yeah. if you want to do like a little collabo thing, you know, Ooh. hey, just keep in touch with us because, uh, yeah, we uh, you know, tickets for that game gonna be stupid. I'm oh thinking my at least, gosh, you better yeah. have at least two hundred minimum. Yeah, <laughs> and, by then, and by then we'll be back in season. Uh, the Believe in Panthers podcast that I do with Tyrone Pohl will be back uh, right before the season begins. So yeah, definitely we definitely could put something together. Uh, maybe some sort of crossover thing uh, with uh, Believe and uh, Four Man Rush for sure. Uh, let me get you out of here. I'm up against a break. Uh, appreciate gotcha. you for coming in, Kev. Follow them at Four Man Rush on Twitter. That's with the number Four Man Rush on Twitter. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Franchise Players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. <laughs> 